Are you ready to change the trajectory of your business and see massive improvements? Each week, we'll share strategies and practices to generate sustained results and long-lasting success in your organization. Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies Podcast. My name's Jeff Standridge. Hey, this is Jeff Amarine. Glad to be back for another awesome episode with you, sir. What are we going to talk about? Hey, we are talking about sales culture and having a common approach to sales. In fact, the four keys to creating a client-focused sales culture in your organization. Jeff, I know you're big on culture, just organizational culture, as am I, but maybe talk a little bit about culture as it relates to sales from your perspective. Well, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's incredibly important. I, I, I think that part of that culture needs to be you have to understand the personas that you're looking for and the kind of culture that's going to resonate with them. There are different roles within sales that need to be fulfilled. There are people that are really good hunters that are constantly good at prospecting and, and turning up new, uh, you know, new activities. And their culture has to be that constant grind of prospecting, as we've talked about in other episodes. There's also this uh, persona of farming and that culture around being able to take an existing account and grow it. And those farmers are really good at it. And so, I mean, having the culture that uh, that approaches the market aggressively, empathetically, I think empathy is a, is a big part of being good at sales and it's an important part of the culture. But I'd be interested in what your thoughts are. I know you've thought about it in terms of a science as much as an art. Yeah, you know, uh, we talked about this in another episode. I use this phrase, uh, nothing happens until you sell something. So one of the first keys, I think, to building this sales-focused culture is to ensure that uh, everyone understands that nothing happens until you sell something. Without a, without a sales function, without an, uh, a function within the organization that's generating consistent and regular revenue, Everyone else in the organization is not going to be able to put food on their table. So, so making sure that everyone understands that, I think, is number one, uh, certainly. And, and, and then there are ways that you do that, right? You, you document your sales processes and you train everyone in the organization on those sales processes. Even if they're a fulfillment person or they're a back office person or they're a support person in some capacity, they need to understand what the sales process is for a couple of reasons. Number one, is it continues driving that stake in the ground that that sales is important. Uh, and, and if you train everybody in the organization on what the process is, you're continuing to reinforce that message. Number two, having to train everyone on it uh, requires that you have something documented. And then when you have something documented, you can actually begin to improve upon it, but not until you document it and, and standardize it, can you actually make improvements. So first of all, is make sure everyone understands that nothing happens until you sell something. And one of the first ways you do that is by having a sales process that you've documented that you regularly and consistently train everyone on. And, and it's got to be something that is more than lip service, right? Uh, I think that idea, that concept of everyone sells applies from the CEO to a person that might be in any other function that has some kind of contact with a client. They either know the, the key things that the company does in a way that would be a lead to a salesperson or there's somebody that understands the process well enough that they can hand it off to those whose job it is to make the whole thing work. And it's, uh, it's vitally important. I've seen organizations where they're so siloed, the engineers are like, well, all we do is engineering. We don't, you know, we don't get involved with the sales process or all we do is accounting or all we do is whatever. 
the best organizations I've seen, it really felt like everybody understood that they were in the customer satisfaction and the, and the problem solving business. And it didn't matter what their function was. They were involved in sales in some way. They were representing that brand. They were constantly talking about what they did and they were happy to do so. And it makes a real difference. That culture that values sales and it understands that you're only there in terms of your why statement for the benefit of providing something useful to that customer, that can make a lot of difference. Yeah, completely agree. And and another way that you uh, ensure that you're building this client-focused sales culture is that you report on sales activity on a regular basis. So everyone in the organization has some kind of visibility into uh, the the deals that are in the pipeline, the new deals that have gotten closed, uh, uh, the 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 gap that exists between where we are today and where we need to be in terms of sales activity, uh, and so that's that's vitally important as well as you're giving them actual uh, visibility into the actual selling process, and then you're you're actually celebrating those sales. So you everyone is involved in the celebration of new wins that come in the door. So you're not just celebrating the salesperson. They may be front and center because they're the one who perhaps closed the deal. But in the best sales cultures, you're also recognizing some of the top supporting cast that actually made that deal come to fruition as well. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I'd be interested in is as you think about that process, there there's there can be, uh, I guess, gaming of the system can occur at times in a way that is counterproductive. And what I mean by that is I've worked in organizations where it was pretty binary. Either it was a zero or it was 100% that it was going to close. And until you got to the point that you had signed contract, it was suspect up to that point. But I've seen other methodologies where, where depending upon which gate you're at, your percentage of a close increase increases as you go. What's your take on that? I know you've got a lot of wisdom around that kind of methodology, but because I think it speaks to the culture of the organization. You know, um, there there is there are innumerable ways that people can game the system, and and how my team and I tended to get away from that is we created a closest to the pin award uh, that basically said, okay, we're going to track your forecast. Uh, from the and and we were I was in a publicly traded company at the time, and so we had to report our results on a quarterly basis. Uh, and so I had all of my salespeople; uh, they they forecasted what they were going to do for the quarter, uh, the very first week of the quarter, based upon everything they knew about their book of business and their pipeline and the number of years of experience they had. They had to forecast, and then they had to update that forecast every single week in a weekly sales meeting where we had all hands on deck going through everyone's pipeline and just talking about the major changes from the prior week. So it was a 30, 40 minute call. And we talked about the major changes from the prior week and, and they had to update that. And so they would, there would be some weeks they would be down a few hundred thousand dollars and some weeks they would be up a few hundred thousand dollars and, and kind of jockeying back and forth, if you will. But then at the end of the quarter, we awarded the person who was closest to the pin, the person who was the, who delivered the closest to what they said they were going to deliver in week one. And, and, and that means not the, not the overachiever, because what we didn't want is somebody who sandbagged and then, and then came in strong at the end of the quarter because we had to scale our resources up or down based upon what the, for, the collective forecast was. And if we had people who were 
uh, always coming in as heroes, sandbagging throughout the quarter and then coming in the last two weeks and blowing it out. Well, they may not have the resources to actually deliver that revenue because we had to take personnel actions based upon what they were telling us that they were going to deliver. Uh, likewise, if uh, if they were uh, 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 over interpreting or over forecasting what they thought they were going to have and they were they were coming up short well that brings a whole set of different problems right so so we always rewarded closest to the pin because accuracy is important in sales forecasting and that set a tone that tended to minimize the amount of sandbagging uh, that occurred or the game playing uh, that could could happen throughout the quarter accuracy becomes part of the culture in that in that that's in right that accuracy sense becomes very much so. Accuracy becomes part of the culture. Um, and sometimes that's what talked about a lot is if you if you sandbag and they end up not being able to deliver your short resources, that can be not as big a problem as having no sales, but still a big problem. It can you can end Absolutely. up losing those customers that you worked hard to get. That's exactly right. And and both both are problems. I mean, make no mistake about it. A better problem is to overattain than underattain. But but an inaccurate forecast, regardless if it's a, a low, uh, a low inaccuracy or a high inaccuracy, both of them have their own sets of problems that come with them. Yeah. I'd be interested in your thoughts too, because it's such a hard position to fill. How do you, how do you hire for culture and then how do you hold them accountable? Most salespeople realize they're going to be accountable. They're going to be performance uh, incentivized and whatnot, but how do you do that? It's, it's hard to get it right. And then, Sometimes when you know you don't have it right and you can't coach them up, what do you do then? That is one of the most difficult things to do is to, you know, you and I both agree that if you're not hiring and firing every position in your organization relative to the core values, then, you're, then your core values are really not core values and you're not going to have the culture that you, that you ultimately want to have. That being said, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was to fire a rainmaker because they just didn't live up to the core values of the organization. And what I mean by that is we had to make a decision that the culture of our organization was more important than the amount of revenue that they brought into the revenue, uh, brought into the organization. And that's a difficult thing to do, but you do that a time or two and you see the, the positive impact afterwards, the organization will survive losing that rainmaker because you've protected the culture of the organization that you're actually trying to create and develop and grow and nurture. It's a hard decision to make. And a lot of sales leaders don't make that decision. A lot of CEOs don't make that decision, but I promise you it's the only way to build the right kind of positive sales culture that you want is you hire and you fire and you coach and you promote according to not only job performance, but also according to the degree to which they live the core values of the organization. Otherwise it's lip service. Yeah, that's great. You know, I mean, it's, it's super good thoughts on that. And, you know, as a, as a follow on there, I really like what Gina Wickman says in traction about, do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capability? And and then he also talks about, are, are they in line with the core values of the organization? I, I really think that some of that common sense evaluation of sales staff is critically important because it is a difficult position to fill and it's difficult to retain the best people. Culture is king for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last thing is about making it easy and necessary for everyone to assist the sales process and to assist salespeople. You know, a guy by the name of Jan Carlson, uh, who was with Scandinavian Airlines back in the 80s or so, 70s, 80s, 90s, 
wrote a book called Moments of Truth, where he actually looked at every point of interaction that they had with a client, every place that a client touched their organization or someone in their organization. And uh, he, he identified those as moments of truth. These are the moments where we can either wow our customer or we can leave them um, lackluster or we can, uh, we can totally drive them away. And it was uh, not just with salespeople. It was every touch point within the organization. So uh, one of the ways that organizations can do this exact same thing is go through the exercise with every department in the company and, and identify their moments of truth. Points where they actually interact directly with, directly with the customer or indirectly through another employee who's engaged with the customer. Once you identify those moments of truth, then you've made it easy and necessary for everyone in the organization to assist with the sales process and to assist with salespeople. And uh, those are critical to building that high-performing sales culture. Great stuff, Jeff. I mean, I think this is helpful advice from one of the most critical functions in any business. No doubt about it. Good stuff. This has been another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. Thank you for joining. Feedback from listeners like you helps us create outstanding content. So if you like this episode, be sure to rate us or leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get the latest growth and innovation strategies. Thanks for tuning in to the Innovation Junkies podcast.